you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy Hellman. hi everybody we have been so busy over here at affordable interior design that um i have had to take a little time off from podcasting my head has literally been spinning with all the changes. We are renaming our company. We are rebranding our company. We are the busiest we have ever been. Record number of projects, record number of clients. We're a team of eight right now, and I'm currently hiring and training six new people. So it has been a really dizzying time. Spring is here and it is giving me, a lot of opportunity and a lot of work. I am busy around the clock. Normally I like to have a nice rhythm, five days a week of work, two weekends. You know, every now and again, I'll work one day of the two weekends, but lately it's been every gosh darn day. Good problems to have, but challenges just the same. I hope you guys are doing well. I hope things are going well for you where you are. If you want to share something with me, please head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. As you know, there's a brand new way to share your questions with me. It's a simple form that you can just click on. If you're a premium member, click that button because those questions get answered in our bonus episodes monthly, and they do get priority going right to the top of that mailbag. And if you are a standard user, well, there is a standard user form as well. And right now that mailbag is a little light. So if you go on there and submit your question, once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast, chances are good you will have it answered within the month, which is very exciting, especially because at one point we were a few months behind on the mailbag. Well, guys, without further ado, I'm going to dive into some questions. My first question comes from Franzi in Bavaria, Germany. And you know what is so funny about this question coming in this week is Friday, I did a big presentation for a project that I'm working on in Germany. It was for a client of mine that moved from New York City to Munich. And she was sharing with me that even in rental spaces in Germany, whether you rent, whether you own, whenever you move into a new space, people rip out everything that was there. 
So they rip out the kitchen, they rip out the light fixtures, they rip out the bathroom fixtures. Basically, you move into a raw shell that's got wires hanging out of the ceiling, hanging out of the walls, even if it's a building that's been around for a long time, even if it's a rental where you're just going to stay for a year. Now, you do have the option to buy the previous person's furniture. And by furniture, I mean like it's not furniture. You have the option to buy their kitchen. You have the option to buy their toilet. You could probably buy their furniture as well. But it blew my mind that, you know, in the United States, I expect a kitchen to last at least 10 years in terms of looking good and being something that doesn't look dated. I think the kitchen can go a good 20 years being functional. Sure, it might look a little old. It may not have the latest appliances and things like that, but it's still quite functional. But the idea that as a renter, I mean, in New York City, I moved every year like clockwork for six years. The idea of having to install a new kitchen to select countertops each time to make that kind of financial investment to move in and not even have an overhead light it was really eye-opening, you know? Uh, so I wonder, are there other places in Europe like that? I lived in Paris for a short time. I moved into an apartment. Now it was a chambre de bonne, if you guys know what that is. So it's a very small, tiny apartment on the sixth floor of a walk-up. It had no bathroom. The bathroom was on the fifth floor and I shared it with the entire sixth floor. And just, it had a toilet. There was not a bath, so I should call it a powder room. Uh, so that powder room, you didn't even have communal toilet paper. You had to bring your own toilet paper from your little apartment, take it down to the bathroom on the fifth floor. I had no shower, so I bought like this baby bathtub and I would stand in it and wash my hair in the sink in my room. Uh, I had, anyway, it was... It was real, but at least it had a light fixture. <laughs> at least the sink was there with like the vanity cabinet. I was so intrigued. So basically I'm helping this client pick out everything from soup to nuts. And it has been quite an experience. Well, let me get to your question, Francie. I just wanted to, to share that because I've been designing for many, many years in many, many countries, be it London, Paris, Argentina, India. I have never heard of such a thing. Never. All right. Franzi writes me, Dear Betsy, I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I've listened to almost every episode of it. My boyfriend and I will be building our first house next year. It will be a prefabricated house with no architectural features at all. No stucco, no arches, no nice windows, no high ceilings, etc. Unfortunately, we don't have the budget for a builder that offers more sophisticated houses. I often heard you say on the podcast that the architecture of the house and the interior design must match. I totally agree with that, but my interior design style is not modern, rather farmhouse or traditional. How can I make a new modern house feel older without it looking fake or mismatching? I'm sending you two drafts from our kitchen builder. I really like the one with the paneling on the wall but I'm wondering if it would look weird to do paneling on the kitchen wall when the rest of the architecture is so plain, so modern. 
I'm sending you the floor plan. We'll have an open kitchen, as you can see, with wall paneling that would abruptly end after the kitchen. I would be happy for your feedback. All right, Franzie. Well, thanks for sending the imagery. It was very helpful. I don't think that the architecture must always match the furniture. I just feel like you can't move in and just impose your taste on a structure if the structure has a lot of unique character already. And I also feel that a very modern box with absolutely no ornamentation, no decoration, no frills, no moldings is a aesthetic. It is a vibe. It is a style, which is quite contemporary, maybe even modern, even though as we know, modern relates to a specific point in time in the 50s and 60s. It is a style that was cold and austere and had a lot of blacker and bold color. So this almost fits that bill. You can, because it's such a blank canvas, impose some of your own feelings onto it. But I do think it's a misstep to put a lot of decorative molding on the walls when it's not going to carry through. You essentially have sort of this molding on the bottom part of the wall, like below a chair rail that is decorative. And I think it could look organic to the space if you didn't just stop it right where the kitchen ends. If you continued it into the eating area, if there were elements of trim in other areas like a crown molding, but because you're not telling me that you're going to carry it through, because you're telling me that these other areas just don't have that type of personality, I think you really shouldn't do just a small stretch of it in the kitchen area. I think that with sort of this blank slate, this tabula rasa of this just basic box, you can impose some of your own tastes. I think that farmhouse can definitely work with a contemporary look because it's so popular right now. Everybody's down with farmhouse. You can certainly have a lot of clean lines. It doesn't need a lot of curves or frills or ornate carving. Now, when you use the term traditional, that does point to those frills, right? those aspects that are a little bit more decorative and ornate, those aspects that would look right at home with a lot of trim and molding work throughout the space. So do I think traditional is the way to go? Absolutely not. Am I fine with farmhouse? For sure. I think if you, instead of using silver metals, which I'm seeing on the imagery here, if you went with instead black metals or that type of wrought iron, I think that that would help to open you up to a farmhouse type aesthetic without having to change the architecture too much. I also think here that from the flooring rendering, you've got a lot of knots in the wood. It shows a lot of wood grain. I think right there, you've set the stage to go a little bit more rustic. To embrace your farmhouse aesthetic, just keep it with really clean lines, just like the architecture of this space. And, you know, don't go overboard. Don't make it seem like a theme room. I might incorporate some pieces that are just purely contemporary so that it doesn't look like you're trying to force a round peg into a square hole. Franzi, does that make sense? I hope that answered your question. And guys, I would love to hear from you. If you're in a part of the world like Franzi in Germany, where every time you move, whether you're a renter or an owner, you rip out the kitchen and the bathroom. I want to hear from you. 
it's still blowing my mind. Uh, and then I went to a birthday party um, for my daughter Sunday. And no, 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 Saturday, today's Sunday. It's all a blur. The weekends are a blur now because, you know, during coronavirus, we were doing absolutely nothing. And now that the weather's nice and that coronavirus has been somewhat tamed here in the United States, now we are seeing that people are starting to have outdoor parties as long as the kids wear masks and as long as they stay outdoors. I'm feeling comfortable with that. So she went to a party and the lady I was standing next to while watching them in the bouncy house was from Germany. And I just couldn't help myself. I asked her, I was like, is this the case in Germany? Is this what they do? And as a matter of fact, she was like, yes, that's what we do. So intriguing. Feels a little wasteful. Feels like you could definitely get a big booming industry out of it. I don't know. I have mixed feelings. What are your thoughts? Let me know at affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, beautifying your home for less, styling your home, and the fundamentals of feng shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock filled with visuals and tips things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Maggie writes, hi, Betsy. I am a 13-year-old girl who's listened to all your podcast episodes in only two months. Maggie, let me just applaud you because while you're listening to podcasts, you could be out taking a walk, you could be doing the dishes, you could be doing all sorts of productive things. My kids who are not quite 13, but almost, instead of listening to podcasts, their face is buried in Roblox and Fortnite. They're listening to Athmau on YouTube. So I'm really impressed that you are so mature and that you are listening to podcasts and being productive versus just sitting in front of screens, which I think is probably what my children are doing right now. They both had baseball and softball games this morning. I guess they've earned a little screen time, but I'm very impressed. Good job, Maggie. You write, you continue. I remember a few years ago, you said you were running out of ideas. Well, I have an idea. I think it would be great if you did a six-part series on everything you need to know about designing specific rooms in the house kitchen, dining room, living room, master bedroom, kids room, even how to decorate a bathroom. Thank you, Maggie. Maggie, I think that is such a good idea. You know, the thing I love about your questions is that they provide my content, right? I don't have to spend a lot of time researching, coming up with a large outline. I can really just jump in with both feet to the mailbag read all the questions about 20 minutes before I start recording and dive right in. 
with something like this, Maggie, I will have to go back to making that outline. I'll have to have bullet points. I'll have to have all sorts of things, right? So um, right now, when we are so, 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 so busy, I might wait on this idea, but I think it has a ton of merit. I am really excited for it. And I actually had an idea just as I was answering you just now. What if I had like listeners, like one listener per room be a guest and just pepper me with questions about say a bedroom design or about a living room design? That would be exciting because then I wouldn't have to think of the bullet points and they'd be real questions that you guys are thinking of rather than stuff I may have just covered in previous episodes that I'm kind of mushing together for this episode. Another really cool thing that I'm exploring right now is this thing called Searchy. Have you guys heard about Searchy? So Searchy is basically this brand new platform that content users, uh, content creators, excuse me, can use. So if you're a podcaster, if you're a blogger, you can submit your videos or audio files to Searchy. They'll make transcripts of everything. But then also there's like a search program within Searchy where you could type in bedroom lighting and you could get a list of every podcast that I have talked about bedroom lighting on. Uh, if you wanted to hear about window treatments, well, in Searchy, you would just type window treatments and immediately you'd get a list of any podcasts, any Facebook videos where I talked about window treatments. This is something that I am thinking about adding to the premium membership because Searchy, unfortunately, is very, very expensive, but I think it would be worth it. What do you guys think? Do you think it'd be worth it? Would you be willing to pay extra to get access to something like that? So that way, Maggie, every time I say bedroom, you could type it into Searchy and get a long list of the very minute, the timestamp where I was talking about bedrooms. I'm just super intrigued by that idea. And I think it could certainly be worth the three-figure monthly cost of Searchy. If you guys are content creators, bloggers, etc., you've got to check it out. Um, I just haven't pulled the trigger on it quite yet. All right, my last question for today. Let's see here. It comes from Aurora, Illinois, Jasmine. Jasmine writes, hi, Betsy. Thank you for all your wonderful advice. You are such a joy to listen to. Okay, so my question is about window treatments for my two-story living room. Originally, I wanted two-story drapes, but the windows are so far from each other. Would you recommend two-story drapes or a Roman shade for the top windows and drapes for the bottom? What are your thoughts? So yes, Jasmine, you live in a space that has amazingly high ceilings. It is a two-story room, which means that the room goes up two stories. It looks like it's even bigger than that. I mean, these look like they're 20-foot high ceilings. And at the bottom um, is a standard size window, probably two and a half feet wide by six feet high. Very standard, very easy to treat. Then there's like an eight-foot gap between those windows and the upper windows. And the upper windows are much smaller. They're about two and a half feet by two and a half feet square. There's three in a row and they're quite close together. 
So I like the idea of doing the two-story drapes because they're so close together. The reason I don't like doing the two-story drapes with this particular scenario is the eight-foot split between the windows. It's going to look ridiculous to have these two panels of fabric spanning eight feet when altogether the two windows in height only make eight feet. Half of the space that's taken up by the drapery is going to be just covering random sheetrock. To me, that's strange. One question I might ask myself is, do we need window treatments on these upper windows? They're so small, right? In both width and in height, that they're kind of irrelevant. They're kind of just an afterthought. They add in nice atmospheric light, but is anybody really looking in? And if they were looking in these windows, is there even a place where they could see someone walking by who might be in various states of undress or who might be, you know, wanting privacy? For me and this picture, I can't tell what those people would be seeing from those upper windows. But in many of the cases where I have worked with these windows, uh, we just leave them untreated because if you did a Roman blind and a Roman blind is a fabric blind where the fabric or whatever, it doesn't have to be fabric. It could be like a bamboo sort of woven texture gathers at the top. But the problem with those, even though they're so beautiful, can add a splash of softness and color or texture. The problem is that when the fabric or the bamboo or whatever goes up at the top and gathers, when you fully opened that treatment, it's going to have about eight inches worth of gathering, worth of bulk. And that's going to block at least a third of this window. So you're basically losing the windows. And how are you going to manipulate those? There aren't too many Roman type shades that I have seen that are automated. You will want automated treatments for these up here because how else are you going to manipulate them? You're not going to have like a long cord that goes all the way down to the bottom story, right? So I think just some sort of thin, very minimal roller blind that can be fully automated is perhaps the way to go on the top. Then I think on the bottom, you could treat it however you want. So if you want to also do those roller blinds down here, but then flank the window with drapes, I think that could be a really polished and sophisticated look. I think there's more than one way to do this. And I also think your style would come into play. So if you're very traditional, we definitely want to do drapes on these bottom windows. If you're very contemporary, maybe we just keep it with the blinds since the windows are so close together. They're about six to eight inches apart. So it's going to be hard to put treatments in between each set of windows without losing some very nice daylight. It's not an obvious solution here, but definitely your style will help you decide which way to go with those bottom windows. And I've given you the pathway for the top windows. Guys, it has been great to be back with you. I love talking to you each and every week, even though I did miss a couple weeks due to the madness. Speaking of madness, I'm about to go take my daughter to a Girl Scout meeting, an outdoor fully masked Girl Scout meeting. I hope you guys are having a wonderful weekend. Keep those questions coming. I love it when I open the mailbag and it's brimming with inspiring questions and inspiring ideas from you guys. 
Once again, that's affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. Thanks, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.